Hey friends, welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast on the season of Advent. My name is Steve Weens, and I'm a pastor and an author, but I'm also a Transforming Community alumnus from way back in 2011. As always, I'm alongside Transforming Center founder and my dear friend, Ruth Haley Barton, as we explore the themes of Advent as a season of transformation in which we invite the presence of Christ's light into the darkness. We invite you to listen to the scripture reading for this week from the Revised Common Lectionary, Cycle A. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. A reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 72, verses 1 through 7 and 18 through 19. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy, and crush the oppressor. May he live while the sun endures, and as long as the moon, throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may righteousness flourish, and peace abound, until the moon is no more. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things, Blessed be his glorious name forever. May his glory fill the whole earth. Amen and amen. A reading from Romans, chapter 15, verses 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement, 
grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you, for the glory of God. But I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. A reading from Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Hi, Ruth. Here we are again uh, talking about Advent. Yes. And we're heading into the second Sunday of Advent. But just a quick sentence or two again uh, to remind us, like, what is Advent? What are we doing in the season of Advent? What's important? Yes. Well, Advent, like all the seasons of the church here, is a season of transformation where God has uh, real work he wants to do in each and every one of us if we can enter into the seasons intentionally. And Advent in particular is about the practice of waiting for the life, light of Christ to come into the dark places of our world and our lives it has to do with arrival um, and has to do with practices that sensitize us 
to the coming of Christ, not just way back in the biblical time, but also Jesus coming to us in our lives as they exist right now. Beautiful. And in this week, we're really talking about joyful preparations. That's the title mm-hmm. of this episode. But it's also really what that comes from is one of the passages from Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 3, where we talk about John the Baptist. And so I just want to read just a couple of verses in verse 1 of Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And so whatever other pictures we have of this crazy guy named John, who was the baptizer out in the wilderness, and I love even the word that he appeared in the wilderness as if he just sort of like, (laughs) uh, you know, mysteriously uh, was somewhere else. But really, like my my thought on John has changed over the years, because Mm. I think the expectations probably of his life... Was that he was was that he would follow his father's in his father's footsteps and be a priest and and do the temple role and maybe he tried that this is just imagination right but maybe he tried to do that what if he tried to make that shoe fit and what if mm-hmm. he failed and so what if his appearing in the wilderness wasn't an appearing at all but a long journey of finally accepting who he was and what God's call was mm-hmm. for his life which makes me wonder what preparations did he need to do to yeah. appear in the wilderness with his well, family? Before we what get to preparations, think? though, I just want to say something about John that makes me just laugh every single time, and that is the nature of his sermons. So he comes <laughs> at the Pharisees and says, you brood of vipers, yeah. who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And it's just so funny in our seeker model society where we're all trying to make everything relevant yes. and palatable and everything yes. else. And John starts out his sermon by accusing them of being a brood of vipers. Like, what do you think about that, Pastor Steve oh Weems? Like, if you ever started out a sermon like that, would you have the courage to start a sermon by calling your congregation names? I just think it's so funny. <laughs> totally. It's so funny. And you would get fired probably you, you know really what I mean would, because that is just not a seeker sensitive message it's not an anybody sensitive message no, it's not a sensitive message it's not no. a nice message so but somehow it's effective because the people just keep coming from everywhere and that's the other thing about the passage that I just love is that the people are coming from everywhere going yeah. out to him in the wilderness to hear him call them a brood of vipers I mean really <laughs> I know well so, but I think it's also a sense of like the people that came out are sort of picture them, you know, mouth stand, sending a gape and saying like, oh, my gosh, someone finally said it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like someone finally uttered the truth about what's happening. And I think that's so compelling. Like, like you would get fired, but then you would go be fired somewhere in some coffee shop and you'd be surrounded by people who applauded yeah, someone yeah, finally. Yeah, who are like, okay, it. so now we can really talk. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. But I think you, you know, the thing, the other thing about the story is that, you know, you pretty much have to to go to the wilderness to be able to preach those kinds of sermons. You know, you can't, you can't always preach that way or give that kind of truth in the more acceptable venues. No. Right. You almost preaching that kind of a message puts you on the outside 
a little bit. But then, you know, you're on the outside and then you can say what you need to say. You can say what God puts on your heart to say. And the people who are ready to receive that message will. They will receive it. And they're they're hungry for it and they want it. Um, but you don't always get that message in the more acceptable venues um, for us as Christian. So I think, yeah. you know, that whole story is very, very interesting, even in terms of how it can critique our current way of preaching and doing church and all that, because all that was happening, all that spiritual stuff, that deeply spiritual stuff was happening outside, um, you right. know, some of the more accessible places, which is, is really interesting to me as we think about this second week and this theme of wilderness too, which is just, you know, pretty profound in this Sunday and next Sunday, which we'll be talking about, that there is something unique that happens in the wilderness, something that can only happen in the wilderness places of our lives. And um, we're seeing it here in John's life. That kind of sermon can only be preached in a certain setting. It can't be preached everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, I think, why I like to imagine the leading up to John because I, 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 I don't totally buy the characterization that he's just some caustic guy that says whatever he thinks. And I think he says what he says because he has lived life in the system. Mm -hmm. He sees the hypocrisy of it. He can't fit into it. And so when he goes out to the wilderness, and the reason why people come and stay and listen, and he has authority, real authority, is because he's really wrestled it down, you know? Yeah. Like he's really lived in it, he's heard from God, and he's made his own, like he's prepared his own heart to hear right. hard things and to say hard things. Yeah. And so I, I would love for you, Ruth, to talk about like what, what kind of preparing, because not everyone is in that place where John is in, like, you know, leaving the establishment to go in the wilderness. Right, but, exactly. And, and we're going to talk about the wilderness more next episode, but let's, let's ground ourselves in this place of preparing. What's important as we prepare for uh, the coming of Christ or the hearing of words yeah. in this week? Yeah, well... Um... I think, you know, one of the functions of wilderness time or extended solitude is that our own hearts get quieter and we can hear the word from the Lord, right? Yeah. And receive it. And so I think the preparation has to do with getting ourselves in a position to receive the presence that we say we're seeking. And we can't just receive it by running around like chickens with our heads cut off, not creating any space. Right. Um it, there has to be a way of getting ready and opening up and clearing out obstacles. And so, um, you know, obviously a theme of the second Sunday is repentance. It, it always is because John the Baptist is preaching a message of repentance. And I think repentance has to do with clearing out the obstacles, clearing mm -hmm. out those things in my own life that prevent me from receiving the presence or recognizing the presence or receiving the word that God has for me. Um, and yet at the same time, you know, we think about repentance as being sort of a hard work and it is, uh, to be willing to see ourselves as we are. And that's, that's John's message. And it wasn't an easy message, but at the same time, I like to point ourselves towards the joy of preparing as well. When we prepare for something that we're really looking forward to, um, and, and there is a lot of preparation that's part of the season too, isn't there? Yes. Um, in the, the holiday season, there's a lot of preparation and if we can touch the place of, the joy of it all, 
rather than seeing it all as drudgery, I think that can be helpful too. So to imagine a time when we prepared for something that we were really looking forward to, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, there's hard work involved. Um, but at the same time, the work is made light and yes, uh, joyful yeah. because we so much want the thing that's yeah. coming, you know? Well, you tell such a wonderful story in the Advent uh, Year A, the Cycle A booklet yeah. about the first time that you and your husband were preparing to uh, watch and care for your first grandchild on your yes. own, right? You know, so yeah. I mean, just tell that story because I think it's so yeah. it, it, it's so sweet to think yes. back on it because I've told people that becoming a um, a grandparent actually opens up a space in your heart that you didn't know you had, and that mm-hmm. has been very true for me, um, is that it's just opened up a space and it doesn't take away from the love I have for anybody else in my life because it's a different love. It's a different place in my heart. And so, um, it's, it's always very surprising when it happens. And so I think we got to take care of our grandson, Gabriel, when he was like six weeks old, he was really, really little. Um, and so he would have known nothing about what I was doing to get ready, but I was doing it all anyway. Mm -hmm. I was cleaning up, I was lighting candles, I was building a fire, I was making cookies, even though he doesn't eat cookies, but (laughs) I just wanted it to be special. And, and then I was running to the window to see if he'd come yet, you know, if his parents had brought him over yet. And, and there was so much joy and excitement. I could hardly wait. And of course, you know, there's lots of moments like that. I mean, Christmas morning is that way, mm-hmm. you know, where we're excited that, you know, now all the preparations have finally been made and we get to just settle in and enjoy it. So, um, I think that there's the joyful aspect of preparing for something that we've been anticipating and wanting. And so what are the things that we could do that are joyful for us in this season as we prepare for Jesus? What what would bring us joy? What gives us a sense of excitement and anticipation about that? Um, and there is some cleaning up to do. You know, you don't prepare for much of anything without doing some cleaning up and getting, you know, straightening things up and getting the obstacles out of the way that would keep us from visiting or would get in our way of whatever it is we're trying to do um, that while there is some some work in that, some elimination, if you will, of the things that get in the way, there's something about that too that can be very meaningful though, because we know why we're doing it. You know, we know yeah. why we're doing it. And there's a focus to it, right? I mean, that's what I loved about that story. It made me think about times where I've prepared for guests, you know, yeah. and you sort of you clear the schedule, you know, you mm-hmm. don't like you make sure you don't have any other meetings and stuff like that, that they're going to get in the way of really enjoying. And then you, maybe you buy a special bottle of wine or you buy, yeah. you know, yeah. a favorite food of the other person. You, yeah. you wash and the you clear off the your couches butt. so people can sit down, you know, just basic stuff, right? You <laughs> yeah. clean your bathroom, yes. <laughs> all of yes. it. Um, but while you're doing it, you're thinking of the people you're getting ready to welcome, Yeah, you know, and it gives you great joy to think, oh, I'm doing this because I'm setting up for this, this time of encounter with these people that I really want to be with. And so I look, I, I actually encourage us to look at the joyful aspects of our preparations as well as the harder aspects that John definitely, John the Baptist definitely uh, emphasizes that repentance is an important part of our preparation as well. Hey friends, we'll get back to this week's episode in just a minute, but we wanted to take a quick pause to let you know that if God is stirring something within you about your own leadership experience, perhaps God is inviting you to join a transforming community. Transforming communities are practice-based spiritual formation experiences with nine quarterly retreats over the span of two years. The transforming community experience is really designed to integrate your spirituality 
and your leadership and help you to reclaim practices and experiences that spiritual seekers down through the ages have used to open themselves to God's transforming work. So visit transformingcenter.org slash transformingcommunity to learn more and to apply, or just click the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Uh, so I want to bring up something that I'm like, this is one of my Advent things that I've realized that I'm coming into Advent, things that I need to clear away. And I, I think it's even a repentance. And yeah. so um, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for, oh gosh, way too long, <laughs> uh, 24 years. But um, one of the things that I've learned is that it's really important, you know, getting input and feedback from people. And, you know, we're, we're, we're a congregation. It's not an, not a dictatorship. It's not at times I wish it was actually, but, um, but, or, and, okay. But I've also noticed in this current season, I got an invitation and it was kind of one of these whispers that from the spirit, but it was like, Steve, you do get, you do get input and you, and you do get feedback and you seek it out. Um, for this season, I want you to be more selective Mm -hmm. with the input that you take in. And I really, and then it expanded from, you know, not so many, not just, um, and of course I'm never going to tell someone to shut up or something like that, but there's a way of putting a boundary around what gets in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's around people telling you what you should do or shouldn't do as a pastor or leader of a nonprofit or, but it's also like, what else am I just mindlessly letting in? Like Mm -hmm. I realized like I'm getting, I'm so cluttered right now that, that I'll, I'll check my email on my phone at a stoplight. You know what I mean? I know. I know. What am I doing? Yeah. Right. So I, um, now I don't think everyone can do this, but but I can. I'm 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 considering taking the email app off of my phone for the season yes. of Advent. And of course, you know that. Oh, well, how how are people going to get hold of you? <laughs> like, well, there was a whole history of the world that happened where people got a hold of you when they needed to, before there was email, before there was phone, even. And so I think people can survive. Well, um, and the other thing about that, because I never have put email on my phone oh, because I God. feel like that can contributes to a boundaryless existence that I just can't, I can't enter into that. I don't think I'd be, I'd ever be the same again if my work was always buzzing on my email on my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it enables you to be more boundaried with it. Cause if yes. it's about the email, you will open your email sometimes throughout the day. You can actually set expectations for people, mm-hmm. you know, and say, I'll be on my email from these hours to these hours, but I won't, you know, you can actually be considerate enough to let some people that you care about know about it. But it gives you a more boundaried existence. You're not completely going away. You're not completely not being available, but you are putting some boundaries around your availability through email for the sake of something else, for yes. the sake of another kind of availability that you want. You want to be available to God in yes. a way, in a new, fresh way, this this particular season. And it's going to create the space for that. But I could not agree with you more. I mean, even the the scrolling through mm-hmm. the news, mm-hmm. you know, oh, at Lord. night or in the morning when we could be watching the sunrise, of course, you're, you can be, you're scrolling through your phone, your, your newsfeed. So I think, I think that's a wonderful practice for Advent. And maybe I could introduce another word that I think we might be leaning into. And that is the word simplicity. I hear that. I hear the invitation to simplicity 
as a part of the preparation that, that you just, you can't receive everything. You know, there's a limit, there's a finiteness to how much, like you said, we can take in. So to simplify and clear out some things so that I can be present to the things I most want to be present with. So for me, another aspect of simplifying or simplicity to prepare the way of the Lord, right? To prepare, to be able to receive God into the intimate places of my life um, is to look at Christmas preparations and to simplify, especially for me as the woman of my home and my family. Um, I, I think there's a special pressure on women to make it all special for everybody. So every, you know, the gift buying and the cooking mm-hmm. and uh, the decorating and all that, a lot of that falls inordinately to many women, not right. all, because thanks be to God, there are some, you know, there's some, you know, there are couples and people who are smashing all the stereotypes right. and, and you know, my husband and I try, but still I do feel like there's a, a, a weight and a burden in the holiday season that's on me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and to say, no, there are some things that I've done in the past that I'm not doing this year. Yeah. Because I want to be present to God's, to Jesus coming mm-hmm. into my life, and that's going to require some space. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that that's how you do your schedule. That's how yes. you, and, and I think if you live with a family, if you have a partner, a spouse, or whatever, um, it, it, it's good to talk about those things, you know, like to say, I, I'd like to try to simplify mm-hmm. this season. What are some ways that we can do that together? Right. Like you can't just have a solo campaign when you have a group of people that you're living with and doing it with, because yeah. then you have cross purposes, right? So right. even having that conversation, I think can be really an expansive practice of preparing for simplicity. Yes, within, yeah, within families and people who live together and perhaps even church communities, yes. right? Like if we really want, each of us wants to have some personal space to receive the presence of Jesus into these darker areas of our lives, what could we simplify even in our church's schedule? When I think about churches that have 10 and 12 Christmas Eve services that take the whole week before Christmas, how in the world, yeah. how in the world do do yeah. those people who are pulling that off create space for God within themselves? Well, can I, so I'm a pastor. Can I do a pastor rant for a second? I'll just yeah, do please. it for a second. Go ahead. Yes. But when I talk to pastors around, you know, especially Holy Week heading into um, the resurrection, but Advent as well, if you, if uh, they will say, well, you know, here we go. And like, it'll be like Thanksgiving. Well, here we go. The next month is going to be totally crazy. Yeah. And so I, I, um, either had the privilege of or just had to start my own church five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of our one of our values, one of our seven values is simplicity. Yeah. And and we live it out. Like we don't we have one Christmas Eve service. One. Yes. We don't do a Chris we don't do a Thanksgiving service. We don't do mm-hmm. and that's and, and we don't do church on the Sunday after Christmas. Right. Mm-hmm. We just take it off. We don't do it. Yeah. And that's awesome. Oh, I love hearing yeah. that. I so, love hearing that. Like what I want to say is like, okay, it's too late for this year. <laughs> Pastors, yes. you know, it's like the, yeah. the schedule's already out. But right. for next year, what are the conversations you can have with because everyone's feeling this, you guys. Don't I I don't buy here's the rant. I don't buy that, well, it's the pressure is so strong to put 17 more things into the schedule for December. Gang, y- you need to do a strong <laughs> move and model simplicity. Like if if pastors can't model it, who can in this crazy chaotic culture? So my challenge is 
get around the table with the right people and start planning for Advent 2020 yeah. uh, in a way that's doable. Like yeah. that's, that's sane. Like you can yeah. do that. But even, and even within though the schedule that may have already been set, some of the plans could even now still be simplified for the thing itself and what it's going to be. Right. You know, how big the band is going to be, how many bells and whistles you're going to have, you know, how many of your volunteers you got to pull in. I mean, you could even ask the question about the services that you have right. on the books for this year right. is, is there one, any way to do these a little bit simpler this year Yeah. so that we're creating a little bit more space for God. So I, I, I love hearing how you're working with that. I, I just love it because I think, um, you know, pastors, a lot of pastors I talk to as they head into the season, they, they do recognize the difficulty of it, but then they say, but, and then, and it, I'll ask a question about, well, what about your family? How mm -hmm, are you with your family? Mm -hmm, and they mm -hmm. say, well, my family's used to me being exhausted and unavailable through Christmas, but they get me on the 26th, but I'm too tired to enjoy yeah. them. And I'm like, wow. Um, yeah. Right. Is that, is that really what you want? Yeah. Because by that time Advent's over and you're into Christmas tide and you've mm -hmm. missed the invitations of Advent specifically and uniquely for yourself. Right. Um, so anyway, I hope we're not burdening anybody with guilt. I hope that <laughs> <laughs> instead we're saying get in touch with your desire, yeah. what you really, really want. Stop being driven necessarily by external expectations of culture or yeah. of whatever and and do something that's consistent with what you really want this season to the extent that you can this season with maybe a view to the future. And I think that's a good wrap up, Ruth. Like, let's yeah. return to we're we're preparing, yeah. But it's for something that you long for. That's you know? right. It is. It's yeah. joyful because you want it. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Now, and I don't want to end on a downer, but I do, I um, I do want us to, to mention that repentance is in here too. Right. And so sometimes the way these two things that can connect is to go down deeper inside and say, what is it inside me that's driving me? Right. You know, what's the, what's the darker dynamic that's driving me to keep performing at this level, to keep scheduling at this level, to keep doing so much, what is happening inside me that keeps me caught, you know, rather than blame it on everybody else. Um, what inside me gets caught this season? And, given what I say, I really want, could I repent of that? Could I confess that to God? Could I, um, find a way to clear it out as an obstacle towards what I most want, which is the presence of Jesus in the intimate places of my life. Yes. So, um, yeah. so I was wondering if we could ask the question at the end for reflection, for people to think back on a moment when you were preparing for something that you really wanted, like I described with my new little grandson, um, think back to a moment when you were preparing for friends to come over, like you were describing Steve and preparing the home for that. Think back to a very concrete time when you were preparing for something that you really wanted and longed for. Think about how it felt, go back to how it felt. What did you actually do to prepare and how might that experience translate into your preparation for Christ's coming? What are the characteristics of that that could actually translate and inform how you might prepare um, for the presence of Jesus in your life. So have that be a reflection that carries you into the second week of Advent. And then for the practice, first of all, there's an, um, you know, a wonderful phrase in the Romans passage, Romans 15, that talks about welcoming. Hmm. Um, and I wonder about, um, is what would we welcome? You know, the verse seven of chapter 15 says, welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
Um, so even as we think about welcoming Jesus, how can we welcome one another in this season? And how can we welcome other people into our lives this season as a way of welcoming Jesus um, in some beautiful and simple ways? Maybe welcome someone into your life that's very different than mm-hmm. you typically would be interacting with during this season and see if that's a way of inviting Jesus um, right. into into your space and into your life. Um, someone perhaps it's harder for you to welcome, but do it anyway yeah. and see how Jesus comes into your life through them. Um, the idea of welcoming others as we welcome Jesus. And then, of course, the practice of clearing out and preparing, for, you know, um, the, the removing of obstacles as, as we go. And God, what is it underneath? And is there a practice of confession and repentance that could also characterize, you know, that, that thing that drives me from underneath is what I would encourage us to pay some attention to here in the second week. I really like all of those, especially the last one. And, <clears throat> and you might need some help, you know, doing that. Yes. You might you might need to seek out a safe, trusted friend to say, yeah. man, I'm trying to figure out what drives me to do this. What have you observed in me? And, and yeah. again, safe and trusted, you know, don't, don't, <laughs> don't. Yes, don't or the... hear the challenge when it comes. Right. And so like my daughters will challenge me and say, mom, why are you doing that? Why mm-hmm. do you feel like you can you let go of that? They actually challenge me because they want me to sit down and be with them more. Yeah. So they say, can you let that go so you could just be with us? And and part of me wants to defend and say, but but wait a second, that's how I want to do this. Mm-hmm. But then another part of me is like, I think God's talking to me through yeah. them, that I can let that go yeah. in order to open up to what it is that I really want and what's driving it. So friends, here's a bit of encouragement for this challenging aspect of Advent. And it's from Evelyn Underhill. She says, Our spiritual life depends on his perpetual coming to us far more than our going to him. Every time a channel is made for him, he comes. Every time our hearts are open to him, he enters, bringing a fresh gift of his very life. And on that life, we depend. And so maybe this prayer that we'll be offering now can open up a channel for God to come with a fresh gift into our lives. Um, I have a prayer that really helps me sometimes when I'm trying to reflect on what it is inside that's driving me. Could I offer that? I would love that. At the end of our time together here. Please do. Take a moment to be silent. Maybe if you can, if you're not driving, uh, again, settle into a comfortable alert position with your back straight, feet flat on the floor, hands open as a way of receiving what God has to give in these prayerful moments. Maybe this time, you know, we breathe in the truth that God has for us and we breathe out our resistance and our unwillingness to be challenged and confronted as John challenged and confronted his listeners. God, help us to find our confession, the truth within us which is hidden from our mind, the beauty or the ugliness we see elsewhere but never in ourselves, the stowaway which has been smuggled into the dark side of the heart which puts the heart off balance and causes it pain, which wearies and confuses us, which tips us in false directions and inclines us to destruction, the load which is not carried squarely because it is carried in ignorance. God, help us to find our confession this season. Help us across the boundary of our understanding. Lead us into the darkness that we might find what lies concealed that we may confess it 
towards the light of your presence, that we may carry our truth in the center of our heart, that we may carry our cross wisely and bring harmony into our life and our world this Advent. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. And we wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Community Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian leaders. You can explore the next Transforming Community by visiting transformingcenter.org slash transformingcommunity. This podcast is a ministry of the Transforming Center and is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. The music on this episode comes from a recording produced by the Transforming Center called Advent Music and Solitude, which you can purchase on the website at transformingcenter.org. The scripture readings were read by Mary Martin Weens. If you've enjoyed the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast, please consider leaving us a review or rating us on iTunes or wherever you listen. You can also become a partner of the podcast and get exclusive benefits by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron.